Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Come see the Boutique on Central in downtown Laurel for the best deals in women's fine clothing. Let us complete your one-of-a-kind look at the Boutique on Central at 531 Central Avenue in downtown Laurel. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi and Mississippi, for that matter, such a great place to live, work, and play. I love spending time with you every every uh, morning celebrating coastal Mississippi and from time to time talking about issues that are important to you, but mostly we celebrate on this show. And uh, I want to share with you a quote that my friend Stacy Waldrop shared. Stacy's one of the most positive people I know, but this is from uh, Mindfulness Ireland, actually. And here's what it says. Maybe your life purpose isn't supposed to be a thrill-seeking narrative. What if you were meant to be the sunshine to someone's stormy day or the voice of clarity to a frantic mind? You don't have to be a superhero to save the world. I love, I love that. And what it means is, as you're walking down the hall at work, or maybe at church, or maybe in your volunteer work, and you pass somebody, take a minute to smile at them. See what's on their mind. Um, see if they, uh, if they just need, need someone to talk to. But more than anything, smile and say good morning or good afternoon, or I hope you're having a great day. Connect with people. Sometimes that one person, that connection you make in that moment is probably one of the most important things that you you can do. And what I hope that Coast View provides for people is an opportunity for, for me to maybe share some of these inspiring words or maybe some of these inspiring stories and maybe light a fire in you to maybe reach out to someone, maybe reach out to the community, maybe find your role to play from a volunteer point of view. Or maybe it's just um, listening to some of the amazing stories that I have the opportunity to bring to you every day and be inspired by their story. You know, everybody starts from somewhere. They don't just land where they are. And as John Harrison said to me uh, a couple of years ago, you know, you don't just decide to be the, the president or, and CEO of the, of the business council or the coast chamber or whatever. You have to flex the muscles. You have to work hard. You have to st- figure out what your role is going to be or where you want to learn and get, and go, go, go flex those muscles. And over time, you develop a capacity to make a bigger difference. But re- remember what this says. You don't have to be a superhero to save the world. You know, sometimes it's just one person at a time. And I think that's great advice. And I thank my friend Stacy for, for sharing that. Now let's move over to my friend, uh, Tanner Sweatman. Tanner's been on the show before. I really enjoy the time that we've had to spend the, together. Um, we'll start from a very interesting place actually today, but Tanner is the senior vice president and chief operating officer of people's bank, the people's bank. How you doing uh, Tanner? How you doing buddy? Oh, doing good. How about yourself? This is, I'm uh, doing really, really well. Hey, so here's where we're going to start from then. We'll talk about the economy and the bank and how you see things on the coast these days, et cetera. But I'm really curious about when you look back on this hunting season, because you love the outdoors, just like I love the outdoors. Yes, sir. What sticks out in your mind about this past hunting season? Well, primarily that my son Clark shot all the deer. I only got to take one this year because he was, uh, he, he was the family sniper. <laughs> he, he beat me three to one. 
<laughs> good, good for you. I remember there was like a 12 years, you know, stretch where I was hunting with Jordan and Justin where I didn't even, you know, I didn't even pull a trigger. I was just, I just <laughs> loved hunting with them. And then actually, um, Jordan got a really big 10 point up at Clay Wagner's place, uh, horseshoe. And it's been a few years ago, but you know, he was certainly old enough to, to hunt alone when he shot that, shot that 10 point. But, uh, that day I said, let me, if you don't mind, I'm going to go sit with you. It was a two man stand in a place where, uh, no one had hunted in a while. Uh, chief, my friend, Bill Howell told us that they'd gotten some, a picture of a really big deer over there. And we got there and we said, oh, I don't know, man, this is this, uh, it will, we'll enjoy being here. We'll enjoy being together, but we didn't expect to see anything. We saw some wood ducks landing in the water and all this. Then over to our left was this really kind of high, uh, canes. And, uh, there was a little entrance there that went into a trail and about four o'clock or four fifteen, something like that. This 10 point walks out and I mean, it's the most grand thing we had ever seen. And of course he, he drops it and we have a big celebration and we make a lot of deer meat and whatever, but man, those moments with your sons in the outdoors, you can't trade that for anything. Can you? No, not at all. We, um, we, this season we have hunted more together than we have in the past because we were bringing my youngest into the fold. So it, it has been a learning experience. We, um, I've had to learn how to saddle hunt so that I can hang in a tree stand on a platform behind the two of them. Because, you know, you see, you have the two man stands, you have box stands, but it gets really hard to hunt three people from a stand, especially whenever your nine and 12 year old are the size of my nine and 12 year old. Yeah. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're larger humans. They're going to be, they're going to be bigger dudes for sure. Of course, you know, this is not super talk outdoors, my statewide outdoor show, but I'll, I'll bring it up because, you know, this opportunity we have in this state, whether it's saltwater fishing in coastal Mississippi or hunting or just in canoeing or just enjoying the outdoors, I often refer to, to Mississippi being the capital of the outdoors in, in the United States. But this, this tradition of outdoors of the outdoors that we're able to like share with our kids. Uh, I've said before, and I know you feel the same way as well, but it saved me as a young guy, you know, my love of the outdoors. And, and it probably, if my, if you were to talk to my sons, it probably saved them too, because rather than just run you know, go gallivant and, and you know, enjoy life. Like a lot of kids are doing, they'd rather get in a boat and go fishing or go up, you know, go hunting. And, you know, you have an, a great opportunity to spend time with your sons, not, both in South Mississippi and up in the Mississippi Delta. So you're able to show them sort of both. But it doesn't really matter where you are, does it, as long as you're with them? No, as long as, long as you're together uh, with them, it's a fun time. I'll tell you, uh, Jerry Monroe told me when I first had kids and started bringing them hunting, he said, you're either going to hunt with them or hunt for them. And so I'm hoping I'll be hunting with them for a long time. Well, Jerry's right. Jerry's definitely right about that. You know, I still look back, you know, I used to go, uh, when I was young, I used to go spend the night on courthouse road pier and fish, fish for redfish or sharks or whatever. And I look back on it now and I can't believe my parents let me do it. <laughs> I really can't, but, uh, but they trusted me and for, for, for good reason, they had a reason to trust me. But frankly, I, 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 I wouldn't have gone and, and left the rod because redfish were running and I didn't want to miss that run. And there's just something about that, the, the feeling of that as it relates to coastal Mississippi, man, we're really lucky to live here, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. There's so many things to do. Yeah. 
especially driving in uh, downtown Biloxi every day right now, there's so much development going on. It's it's so many activities other than, you know, we, we've loved having gaming here for the past 20, 25 years. I'm trying to remember, I'm, I'm getting older, but yeah. uh, it's seeing the things with the Seawolves coming back, having the baseball team, going down Du Marche every day and seeing the Ground Zero Cafe being built. Those are going to be some really, really fun things to do with your family as they grow older. You know, I had the opportunity to have Bill Luckett, God bless him and God rest his soul, for a solid hour actually on Coastview. He is uh, the attorney who is uh, from Clarksdale, who is uh, Morgan Freeman's, was Morgan Freeman's uh, partner in the Ground Zero Blues Club, unfortunately passed away recently. But we spent an hour together talking about what it meant, what the blues meant to Mississippi. I I was able to sort of bone up a bit on my my knowledge of just how the blues of the of the Mississippi Delta impacted the world music. I mean, the the music scene. You think about it, Mississippi is literally the birthplace of American music. The blues impact was incredible. Rock and roll impact was incredible. Country music, the the impact was incredible. Um, but you know, once people really get a, a real grasp of what the Ground Blue, uh, excuse me, the Ground Zero Blues Club is, and its connection to sort of the authenticity of the music scene of Mississippi, um, I think it's going to be super popular. It's not some Disney version of it. It's it's no. going to be a coast version of of the Ground Blue uh, Ground uh, Zero Blues Club in, in Clarksdale, and I think it's going to have a special place in in Biloxi, don't you? Absolutely. And even with just the neat little pieces of history they're finding with that tunnel, I think I saw an article on that two or three days ago. It's just having uncovered history of things that I've lived in Biloxi my whole life and I don't know about these tunnels. Well, I say my whole life until Katrina. Now I'm an Ocean Springs resident. Yeah. And you're seeing that effect of the coast really going back to some of its history. Uh, for example, the Gulf Hills Hotel, they're going, uh, it's being remodeled and they're going back with a more historical uh, theme. And it, Elvis was there. They have pictures of Elvis water skiing there. That, that ties to music so much. And I, I, I'm glad that we're bringing that back into what we're seeing and what we're doing along the coast. Well, there's no doubt about it, uh, Tanner. And I, and I think that... Um... As we, um, as we start to really appreciate the incredible amount of things that are happening. I, I often say about the coastal communities that, that each has its own very special sense of place. Very special. But when you add all these special you know, senses of places together, it makes up coastal Mississippi. Coastal Mississippi is an economic engine. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a region of the state that is what I often refer to as the engine that drives the economy of the entire state. But when you look at it from the point of view of someone who's going to live here, move here, who already lives here, what it brings and what we're beginning to really appreciate in terms of how to really step up that quality of life is uh, I mean I mean there's something going on in every single community that's involved involving mixed use communities that that's involving uh, bringing back some of the historical connections that exist here, 
But when you bring it all together, man, it's special. And, you know, when you look at what, look at Ocean Springs, look what's, what's happening in Ocean Springs where you live now. Look what's happening in Biloxi. And, and I mean, I, I, we could just literally talk about every community. I, Pascagoula, man, what they're doing in downtown Pascagoula now, you know, now that it's a historic district and what they're doing with mixed use and et cetera. I mean, it's, it's tr- truly incredible. You're going to see people starting to move back into the downtowns when, when for so long the trend was to move out into the rural areas. That That's actually been flip-flopped, and people now want to live, work, and play in a similar space. And uh, and that's really important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Well, and you mentioned Pascagoula. You know, I hear they have a really good mayor. He happens to be my father-in-law. Yeah, I know. They, I, know he is. <laughs> I know he is. And uh, so I, I, I like that little plug for Mayor Willis over there. They, it really is. You see a lot of people moving back into that area. Mayor Willis is terrific. I've had him on my show two or three different times, and I love spending time with him because at the end of the day, we have a, a tremendous opportunity to to spend uh, time together. Hey, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll we'll continue our conversation with Tanner Swetman. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the final segment of Coast View today. We appreciate you joining us. And we have Tanner Swetman, who's the Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for the People's Bank. And in the first part of, the, of our visit together, we just talked about how we enjoy being in the outdoors together with our kids and a little bit about the community and what's happening. There's so much good news all across coastal Mississippi. Tanner, let's switch gears for a second. And let's rock, remind people what it is you do at the People's Bank. Oh, well, I am the Chief Operating Officer. I spent... The previous probably decade in the investments area, we're just doing fixed income investing for the bank. I've moved over to the operations side, and I have had a crash course in operations uh, through COVID. I was promoted about a month before the pandemic began. So thank goodness that I have a team of people that I do over here that helped coach me through it and kept me from making big mistakes along the way. <laughs> operations was a new uh, a new thing for me. Well, you spent a lot of time in investments and through some really dynamic times. I mean, you look back on what, I mean, you, you really became quite proficient in understanding the economic situation and so on. So let's just talk just, just, just a second about how concerned are you about inflation these days? <sighs> a little more than I was previously. You know, I, over the past you know, 10 years or so of going through the bank investments, I, I've really learned it's hard to fight the Fed. Um, I think we've had some pretty high CPI prints recently. Uh, and the Fed was saying that it was transitory. So I'm, I'm more inclined to take them at their word. Uh, it's hard to go for a quick hit and try to hedge one direction or the other. Uh, so from a bank standpoint, you know, in a bank investment portfolio, you're, it's just risk management. So we, we, we try to not get too far 
one way or the other. You know, just manage a range of up and down 300 basis points in a 12-month and 36-month horizon. That's kind of the sweet spot that we look at. Yeah, I think, Tanner, one of the things that, and I think probably the Fed is deeply concerned about this, is when you think about transitory, you think, well, we'll come out on the other side of this and that things will settle down. I think that companies, as a general rule, and I wonder about this, that their business models have changed in some cases dramatically. Yeah, For example, the cost of labor today seems to be an issue, and, it, and I don't know if that's going to work its way out anytime soon. The notion around um, around remote work and how that might affect, you know, company headquarters and, you know, the, and then you still have the supply chain issue, which is slowly but surely getting worked out. But in some cases, people are, are redefining how they're, how they're managing their, their supply chain and where they're getting their products from. And you'll see new things arise from that. That's not a fix that happens overnight. So, will, you know, even if it is transitory, it may be a while before we work out on the other side of this. I think there is, uh, there's a chance it could be a few years. You know, right now, whenever the Fed's telling us there could be three to four hikes, and there's a lot of discussion about a 50 basis point hike, a lot of fear goes into that. People go, well, what's going to happen? The market's going to crash when the Fed hikes. Cheap money's just going away. In reality, it's, in, you know, looking on historical terms, it's more of a normalization than I would say a hike. Yeah. Historic interest rates, we, we're still in historic lows. The, uh, I, my father taught me, you know, I hate to quote him too much, but he's always followed the 10-year treasury. And yeah. it has been in a constant decline in interest rates since 1987. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's, really, it's really incredible what's happening. You know, again, everything is relative, so you compare you know, the current interest rates to what they were a couple of months ago, which were near, you know, near zero, actually. Yeah. And, and so the thing, the thing about it is that you know, people forget 1979 when we had 19 and 20% interest rates. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a tough scenario. And, and frankly, if you think about what the Fed is doing today, man, they have telecast pretty well what their actions are going to be. Just to some extent, some of that's kind of baked into the market already, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if they had a 50 basis point increase, it, it shouldn't be too much of a shock. To everybody who has been listening to them. Uh, yeah. Now, hey, so, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, but in the short time we have left, just real quick, how, how's, how's the bank doing these days? We're doing good. We just came off of our fourth, fourth best year ever. That was a, uh, that 2021 ended up being a good year for us. We, we were good. Your dad is uh, my dear friend, Chevis Webman. How's he doing? He's doing good. He, uh, I, I've been toting him around for about, the past two weeks because, you know, you spend 60, 65 years playing tennis on hard courts. He has a little bit of a knee problem, but uh, hopefully uh, we just saw our good friend, Dr. Jeff Noblin, and we'll get that sorted out really quickly. Now, Noblin's the best. You know, I have, uh, I'm planning to have him on the show soon to talk about kids injuries and what people are seeing these kinds of these days. Anyway, uh, it's been great to catch up with you. Tanner, and uh, we'll, we'll have to make this a kind of a regular occurrence to get together. Well, I appreciate your time. You bet. This has been Tanner Sweatman. He's the Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for the People's Bank. And uh, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.
Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.